purchaser might be the parent, but the shin kicking from that younger consumer is really driving the purchase choice. The linearity of decision making is far less direct than it has historically been in a top-down family culture model. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, Mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep-diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. Hello, listeners. I'm Katrina McCarty, your podcast host. In today's episode, we speak with Jeff Fromm, who is a contributing writer for Forbes and the co-author of three books. I will say we recorded this episode on his cell phone, so whilst the sound is not perfect, the content certainly is. In this episode, Jeff talks about why marketers need to start planning for Gen Z, who will very soon be our mothers of tomorrow. He profiles Gen Z or Gen Z as they're known in the US and shares his research and highlights while strategies you are using today will not work with Gen Z when they become parents. Specifically in this episode, we discuss why brands which target parents should be making Gen Z a priority in their future planning. Uh, Jeff identifies the defining characteristics of Gen Z and how they differ from millennials and Gen X. He talks about why inequality and brand purpose is so important to this generation and he gives us some great examples of global brands doing a great job. We also touch on why multiple people will influence buying decisions within families in coming years and what implication this is going to have for your brand. So I hope you enjoy spending the next 25 to 30 minutes learning about our mothers of tomorrow. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Now, Jeff, I am a Gen X mum and I'm raising three Gen Z or Gen Z as you call them, kids. My kids are 11, 13 and 15 and I'm really fascinated as to how my kids might be as parents and I've actually spent the last six months really having a look at this generation as I'm actually preparing a keynote for next year around our mums of tomorrow who are Gen Zs. And I came across your book that you wrote with Angie Reid called Marketing to Gen Z while I was doing this research and I absolutely loved it. I found myself nodding the whole way through. I've made scribble notes all throughout. So it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. So welcome. Now, thank Jeff, you. Thank you I, for having me. And thank you for reading the book. Oh, it, it only counts if you actually review the book on Amazon. If you read it and don't review it, it didn't exist. Okay. All right. Okay. Look, I'll make a point of going back and writing a review because I absolutely think this is a fantastic book. I've got 14 books by my bed at the moment, and this is the one that's getting a lot of attention, I can tell you. So for our listeners, yeah. can you share a little bit about who you are and your fascination with Gen Z or Gen Z, as you say, in the U.S.? Sure. Uh, I have had the opportunity to co-author three research-based books on consumers, the most recent being Marketing to Gen Z or Gen Z. The research for me started when I read the first 
large-scale study of millennials with the Boston Consulting Group in 2010. And since then, I've had the chance to do a lot of research on consumers and how consumers' views of brands are evolving. That's a little bit about me. I work at an ad agency called Barkley, B-A-R-K-L-E-Y, and um, easily found on LinkedIn if anyone is looking to connect or any of that kind of stuff. And maybe we can give people my contact info when we're done. Absolutely. We will, just for our listeners, I'll make sure that I include Jeff's, all his uh, details and links in the show notes. Just so we're all on the same page, what is the age range that we're talking about that defines Gen Z? The age range for Gen Z starts in 1996 and extends to maybe 2009 or 2010 in terms of their birth years. Um, We do a lot of work at looking at how the psychographic of culture impacts other consumers in addition to birth year-based work. Fantastic. So if you're a brand marketer and you currently target parents, why do you need to make Gen Z a priority in your future planning? You know, how valuable are they going to be as a consumer group moving forward? So um, a couple things. If you're a a brand marketer um, and you're thinking about Gen Z, the family dynamic, and I wrote about this quite a bit in my book, Millennials with Kids, is very different today than it has historically been. So many people grew up in an authoritarian family unit where man was hunter-gatherer and man was in charge of family unit. In today's day and age, the family unit looks different. Uh, 25% roughly of stay-at-home parents are now men. And there's a lot of shin-kicking. So the purchaser might be a teenager or younger person, but sometimes the purchaser is the parent. But the shin-kicking from that younger consumer is really driving the purchase choice. And so it's important to understand um, how that is working. The linearity of decision-making is far less direct than it has historically been in a top-down family culture model. Before we continue with the podcast episode, I want to tell you about our podcast sponsor, Cooperate. Cooperate is a powerful marketing technology platform that allows marketers to visualize your brand's customer journey, deliver great content at each stage of that journey, and see how it all performs, all managed from one centralized location. Cooperate has been built by marketers for marketers. I've actually had the opportunity to see the platform in action and I genuinely think it's worth taking a look at if you're a marketer managing large brands which want to attract more mums. Now let's head back to the podcast. So how valuable are Gen Z as a a consumer group? So I think it does vary by category, and and it can vary quite a bit based on their current age and behavior. If you're selling uh, toilet paper, they are probably not a very interesting consumer target. (laughs) But if you're selling entertainment, and if you're selling a restaurant, you know, your your brand is a restaurant, your brand is an entertainment brand, your brand is a technology brand, your gaming, any number of other categories... Sometimes they're the buyer. Many times 
they're also the influencer because what we've seen in our work is that many of the trends that are popular with consumers who are in their 40s and 50s start with a younger person. In fact, you may be familiar with a brand called Venmo, I'm not sure, but it's a, a community for people to be able to pay on, you know, on their phone to other members in the community in a seamless way. That kind of a trend starts with someone who's in their teens, but today I use Venmo uh, to pay other people as well. So it's important to understand young people influence other young people. Young people also influence people older than them, depending on the topic. And in some cases, their influence is very small, and in other cases, their influence is very great. Yeah, I mean, I really see that in the travel industry as well. And certainly, as you said, in entertainment and technology, my kids are, are certainly sure. leading those conversations in the house. What are seven yep. or, or eight characteristics that really define this generation? Well, Gen Z has uh, an ethos about working hard for their money, being focused on success and balance. The number one topic for millennials was sort of the environment. The number one topic for Gen Z will be inequality. Uh, and you probably saw that when you read the book. Yeah. And we talked about inequality. In fact, we talked about a brand that had um, spent some time tackling that, and that is Nike. They're not the only brand uh, on that topic. There's certainly others. But uh, these are a couple of them. Others that you might want to think about is, you know, for brands, Action is more important than story. So I'm not suggesting storytelling is no longer part of the ethos, but story living will be the new schema that defines many of the highest performing brands in Tomorrowland. And in that schema, you take action in favor of your story with a consumer who's a little more prosumer, who's a little more skeptical who's capable of processing more information from more places from the palm of your hand, and that's not a phone because there's no Gen Zer who's calling you back. That's a modern-day Swiss Army knife. And they trust real people many times more than they trust brands. Even if they don't know real people uh, that are writing that review, they trust that that person is real and the review is real. So they rely on a lot of sources of information, and they're quite adept at crowdsourcing from a variety of places to make choices. Fantastic. Well, and how do they differ from millennials? As I mentioned, a couple of differences. Uh, millennials were focused on the environment. Gen Z focused on inequality. Millennials were all about collaboration. Gen Z is all about competition. Millennials were pretty willing and naive to share information in social media, Gen Z's willing but not naive, so the quid pro quo is significant and brands better be high trust and and give them something of value, otherwise they will protect their privacy. Uh, millennials were big risk takers, Gen Z's a bit more cautious. Um, so those are a few of the differences that we highlighted in our research and highlighted in Marketing to Gen Z, the book. Mm, that's what I'm reading and enjoying. Um, what about how do they differ then from a Gen X? I don't know that I've done an analysis between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, and Boomers. In fact, what I've done is a little bit of the opposite, which is what are the common threads? 
Right. So instead okay. of how do they diverge, I've looked a little more at how they converge. Well, could we Because well, the that, issue for many larger brands is around convergence. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, could could we explore that? You know, what are those common threads then between a, a Gen yeah. Z and a, and a Gen X? Yeah, so we did a, a large study on youth culture mindsets. Consumers included Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers. And we found that the highest performing brands had certain commonalities and interrelationships involving six broad themes. The first was social circle, which is all around cultural conversations. Does the brand help me curate my identity and create cultural conversations? Second was around building emotional connections with me as a consumer. And emotional connections drive price elasticity and frequency of use. And the third um, was around innovation and whether the brand is being more useful to me as a consumer. That's not just product innovation. That can be content innovation, experience innovation, all forms of innovation. Uh, fourth was trust. Does the brand have high trust with me? Is it remarkably consistent? Fifth was purpose. And purpose is not cause marketing. Purpose is adding good to society. So, yeah. you know, if you're seventh generation or your mom pizza or you're somebody, are you truly adding good to society? And then last but not least is are you accessible? And that's about being hyper-useful and hyper-convenient. And brands like Amazon and Netflix and others that often walk away from the industry norm around being useful and convenient and build new models are the big winners because they're hyper-useful and hyper-convenient. That was where we found convergence across all four generations. Wow, that's really, really fascinating. The trends often start with the young people, right? In my earlier example to you, Linda, right? Uh, that trend starts with someone younger or any number of other trends, health trend, travel trends, uh, fitness trends. You you might embrace that trend, but you probably don't start the trend. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a surprise that you found in your research? Was there something that you hadn't expected to find that you uncovered? Yeah, there are quite a few. Innovation, if I look on a longitudinal basis, has gone from not on the radar to one of the biggest factors, both for consumers and employees, as important. Uh, And purpose was not part of the real focus uh, eight to nine years ago either, and that's really become more important. Uh, At the same time, if I just look at the most recent study, you know, the, the shift to focus on inequality uh, from the environment is a pretty significant shift, and so uh, those are those are a few. Yes, um, those are two different studies. The first one is more of a longitudinal view, where I'm showing, you know describing change over multi-year period as opposed to change over a shorter runway. Now, Jeff, in your book, you spoke a lot about the entrepreneurial nature of Gen Z. And this is something like I see in my own 15-year-old. She rents out her party clothes using platforms like Depop and Instagram. Uh, What other kind of entrepreneurial endeavors did you uncover in your research? Were there particular areas that um, Gen Z display an interest or skill in, or are they as diverse as they are? Pretty diverse. Yeah, pretty diverse. I... uh... I don't know that entrepreneurial spirit is limited to one category. So, okay. Yeah. And they're so early in their work in their work journeys. I think it would be a bit dangerous to 
to, to make calls okay. on that. What about yeah. in terms of they're very, they appear to be a very socially conscious generation and in many cases they seem to be educating their Gen X parents. They seem to place a high value on brand transparency and purpose that you talk about. So the question I really wanted to ask you is cause marketing of key importance when marketing to this generation or are there particular causes which are of greater importance? So I think cause marketing, as, a, as I would define it, from an old school sort of leveraging charity um, is probably waning dramatically. I think it, it, it's more important to be purpose-driven to the core. So I would think through the purpose-driven to the core lens as opposed to cause marketing lens. And when I say purpose-driven to the core, I want to be clear, when the cost of being purpose-driven is material, they will, in many cases, not prefer the brand. It's when the cost is similar and the quality is similar, then they pay a small premium for that brand. So the issue is, can the brand engineer a set of benefits that resonate where quality of the product, the quality of the service, accessibility, the value is remarkably high, and there's not a big premium for me. There's not a lot of work for me. Um, I don't think there's one cause du jour or one topic du jour, but the biggest one we saw, which I've referenced a couple times already, is inequality. Yeah, I can. Um, so inequality definitely being the largest. But I think the old school cause marketing of buy my product, I'll donate this money to charity is a slippery slope. Yeah. I think I... this consumer is looking for a more uh, holistic, purpose-driven type of have you read Marketing to Mums? How to Sell More to Australia's Most Powerful Consumer? This best-selling book was written by your podcast host, Katrina McCarter. In it, she shares her eight-step framework to increase sales and profits. Whether you are selling a product or service, Katrina's methodology will provide you with the roadmap to growth. You can get your copy from Amazon. What global brands are doing a great job on Gen Z and why are they landing so well amongst the Gen Z audience? I think you have brands like Nike and brands like Twitch that are, you know, going to be very successful because they understand um, how to pivot their brand to be part of cultural conversations and they understand cultural conversations are important. Um, the most loved brands win with Gen Z and, and so how much are you willing to adjust in order to meet those needs? Those are just maybe a, a couple of examples. I think brands like seventh generation as Gen Z gets older will be well positioned, but today that brand would be not that relevant because of their age. But they would be well positioned when they're older to win. So today I would look at brands like Nike and Twitch and things like that, and and frankly, even brands like Chipotle, um, which okay. I think will be one of the strong performers of Tomorrowland um, with this cohort. Okay, fantastic. Now, Gen Zs are very challenging to reach, and my kids live on Spotify Premium. There's no ads. They stream their favorite shows on Netflix. They rarely watch commercial TV. They don't listen to commercial radio. 
And I see this representing a, a massive challenge for marketers. What are the best ways for brands to reach this generation and what are their favoured platforms? Well, I think first brands need to listen before they try to reach. I think brand action often trumps brand advertising. Yes. So, you know, uh, brand action becomes something that creates a talk trigger and then the talk trigger is something I share with my friend. I mean, it starts with an amazing product or service that's personalized to meet my needs. <laughs> There's nothing more important than that. And I think as you think about this consumer, they're a just-in-time buyer who want just-in-time content. So if your brand isn't winning and capturing the attention, do you have the right product? And are you creating valuable just-in-time content for a consumer who wants that from a brand? Um, that doesn't mean the content is going to be in the same form that was successful for brands 10 and 20 years ago. And uh, I think... I've referenced a couple brands that are winning this, this cohort already um, from Nike, which took action on inequality through a relationship with Colin Kaepernick, to Chipotle, which is re-engineering their product to be more relevant, to Twitch, to any number of other brands that are interesting. And there are certain categories that this group's just more interested in, you know, online gaming and esports are emerging topics based on their age and interests. And I think they're going to pay quite a bit of attention to these kinds of brands when they are scaled out. But many of them right now are sort of nascent and not at scale. Yeah, yeah. Are there favored platforms? So in terms of, for instance, their sure. social media use? Sure. I think platforms that are um, allowing them to reach very small circles are going to be of higher interest and platforms that you and I aren't on are going to be of higher interest. So they might observe on a platform like Facebook because it's easy to observe, but they might be less likely to be active participants. They might observe on a platform like Pinterest, but again, maybe be less likely to be super active. But if I can get my friend network in Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, or a platform that's much more direct and small and curated, then those are probably the ones where I would be a little more active. Yeah, and okay. And it might vary by gender and region of the world and things of that nature too. So I don't know that it will be a one-size-fits-all. I would caution brands to focus more on, you know, the product and the just-in-time messaging than single-platform strategy because platforms that are most popular today might be not most popular tomorrow. Yeah. Once they get bigger that often makes them just a little less unique. Yeah, okay, really, really good tip. I actually work with a lot of brands that target mums and there's a real focus obviously in millennial mums and Gen X mums, but I'm really trying to shift attention to Gen Z because they represent our mothers of tomorrow and, you know, to be quite frank, tomorrow isn't that far away. The average age that a woman has a child in America is 25 and here in Australia it's, it's 30, so it's not that far away. What do, brand, what do marketers of brands need to do to be relevant to Gen Z and how can they connect, engage and convert a Gen Z as they become parents in coming years? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the biggest thing we found in our data that predicted change was presence of child in the house. 
but that didn't require marriage. So marital status wasn't the main trigger. It was the child. So as you think about family dynamics, and I referenced the book I wrote on millennials with kids a couple of years ago, what you have to recognize is that the decisions and influence of young people can be dramatic, particularly in certain categories, even when the purchaser might be older. I might buy technology, but I assure you I'm getting input from someone who's 20 years younger before I go to someone 20 years older, not calling my 75-year-old father for input on technology, (laughs) right? And so, but I'm the purchaser. The person who's 18 might be the influencer. And so there are certain categories I've referenced toilet paper where I think their influence and interest is really low. There are going to be other categories like travel, tourism, restaurants that are going to be really high. The family decision process is collaborative. It is very collaborative. And that is a big shift that we see in family dynamics versus if I were to go back. Well, if I go back a couple million years, it was a caveman, right? And, and the caveman did the hunting. He did the gathering. He made the decisions. If I go back just a couple decades, it was a, you know, hierarchical structure. And uh, with with this cohort, it's not hierarchical. And so brands need to understand that there are going to be multiple people influencing a decision. And the buyer and the influencer could be different. Yeah, I think that's a really big one, Jeff. And we're really starting to see that already in a lot of categories here here in Australia. I've actually heard you say that larger brands won't control the message. I, will, I want to ask you, how do brands need to think differently when focusing on Gen Z? So one of the myths, I think, is that larger brands aren't going to win with this generation. I don't think the size of the brand will determine winner or loser. There will be winners among the small brands. There will be winners among the medium brands. There will be winners among the large brands. Size of brand will not be the driver. The driver will be how much the brand is willing to sort of listen modify the product or service, create uh, engagement, and create an emotional connection. The emotional connection will define the winners and losers. The high-profit brands will have strong emotional connections, but today's modern Gen Z consumer is not monogamous to one brand. They will have, and brands need to get over it, a small set of preferred brands in a category. It's not going to be a return to yesterday where I have one brand I use for category A and one for B and one for C. I will have a a small group, a couple in most categories. They will get the lion's share of my revenue and my usage. So that does require a little bit of adjustment, but the big factor in this is love. If this consumer loves your brand, then you're going to be one of the preferred brands. They're going to talk about that brand with their friend networks, and you'll get word of mouth, and you'll get word of mouth. And that will be very powerful to a consumer who trusts other consumers. Absolutely. Now, Jeff, I wanted to ask you, I am absolutely loving your book that you've written here with Angie Reid. And I wanted to say, where can our listeners go to get your book? And what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, Well, the best way to get the book is probably on Amazon. Um, That's probably the easiest place for most people, although it's not the only place. Sure. And uh, in terms of connecting with me, easy to email me, uh, jfrom, J-F-R-O-M-M, at thefuturecast.com, or LinkedIn, I'm Jeff Fromm, and I'm based in Kansas City. And on Twitter, I'm Jeff Fromm. So 
Uh, all of those are good, and I'm happy to talk with people live if they schedule a, a call or via email if they prefer that or whatever suits them, and I'd welcome the conversation. That is absolutely wonderful. Jeff, can I say thank you so much for being on Marketing to Mums, the podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I have been so excited and really looking forward to this interview all week. So thank you very much for your time. I'm grateful for your call, and I hope your listeners uh, are uh, able to reach out when they're ready. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeff. Doesn't Jeff share some pearls of wisdom in this podcast? If you haven't read his book, I highly recommend getting your hands on a copy now. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But now that you've listened to the episode, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, has your marketing team started thinking about the next generation of mothers? Gen Zs are now 22, 23 years of age. Marketing to Gen Z mothers is not far away at all. I challenge you to ensure that you start to educate and plan for this very different generation of parents. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.